Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Not one, but two Game 7s of the NBA playoffs, including tonight in Boston, 8.30 Eastern Time. Celtics and Cavaliers will play for the right to go to the NBA Finals. The Houston Rockets had a chance to go to the NBA Finals last night, Mike Harmon, but that second half just didn't go so well. They had a really good first quarter. Second quarter starts to fade a little bit, and then the second half they didn't show up. What was it, 94 or 93-47 in the final three quarters? 25 points in the second half for the Houston Rockets. Just abysmal, and once again, all eyes go to James Harden. Obviously, Chris Paul out with the injury, but James Harden, nine turnovers. He still continues to struggle with his shot. This was a slightly better effort. He was at least creeping towards 50% from the field, but for the series, shooting 41%. The fact that they're in a Game 7, despite his ineffectiveness and inefficiency for long periods of time, is absolutely amazing. But now everything's on him in Game 7, because I don't I don't think Chris Paul's walking through that door. I don't think so either, and, and I will say this. I think that the Rockets, this is going to sound ridiculous, I think their defensive efforts have caught up to them. 
at least that I I believe I will buy into the to the theory that James Harden maybe hasn't been as James Harden self because he's actually been better on the other well, end. He's of been the court. playing defense. Yes. That's right, expending yes. energy. And, Absolutely, and I I buy into that. I I I completely do. And I just I worry last night. And because and listen, the Golden State Warriors get the benefit of absolutely any doubt, and really deservedly so. Two titles in the last three years. We've seen them down three two in a series before to Oklahoma City a couple of years ago. They get all the benefit of of the doubt that you want. The fact of the matter is, though, Mike, when you look at the Houston Rockets, they've been on the other side of the coin, where even if if they've had an advantage, they they still aren't given credit. And I'm guilty of it, and I'm probably guilty of it right now, but I just really think that maybe this Rockets team is starting to run out of gas against Golden State. There's, I know Chris Paul is a huge, huge part of it. I'm not trying to undermine that at all. But to only score 25 points in the second half of last night's game, if they would have scored 35 or just had an 18 and 17-point quarters and that's it, that's whatever, that's fine. But to see what Golden State did both offensively and defensively, I just I'm, I'm now starting to wonder if all that defense that they played in the first really f- five and a half games of the series started to catch up to them last night. Well, that was the thing you had to applaud, and, and what the thing most I guess out of character if you were to come in to the series just looking at the box scores, looking at the season long stats. It's all right, big time offense against big time offense, and the defensive advantage goes to Golden State. Instead, what you saw was a lot of energy exerted throughout this series, and we commented on it on the course of the week, Jason Smith and I, and I know you guys with Doug, that that you'd seen even when Harden wasn't scoring, getting into the lane and making the right pass, getting into the lane and at least causing traffic and making things move and shake for the offense, and then on the defensive end, really pushing as hard as they could. Thompson mm-hmm. at times disappearing and then finally has his explosion last night. But certainly for Steph Curry, we saw it time and again. They beat the hell out of him up and down the court. And then in the fourth quarter, he had no legs left. And the jump shot was off. And all of that was great. But it is, it's going to be a, a great anecdote to what was a fantastic season at this point because it looked like they were absolutely spent. No legs left of their own. 12 threes, I believe, in the first Right. Half or at least to that point, and you finish with 15. That's it, it, just tells me something. As you're trying to figure out how this is going to happen, now, I think the crowd is going to be crazy. Uh, Eric Gordon has been crazy in this series. You, you got moments last night from Gerald Green, at least in the first half. You, you don't have Chris Paul, and, and you and I, I think both believe that they won't have Chris Paul in game seven. So you looked good to- in the warm up suit yesterday, though. <laughs> he did. He didn't look good for the without him for that, the, especially that first twelve minutes of the game and at the ten point lead at halftime. But you just you're going to need everything, and you, if you're Houston, you're going to need another half like that. Golden State, for their part, it, it's so funny to see in all of this conversation to Mike of when it comes down to it, it's been the, the question: Who do they go to? Who do they go to in the end? Well, when when they're Backs are against the wall in a game, and in the times of the games that we've seen it in their in their history of this run, it's been Clay Thompson who's really come up come and up saved them. Big yeah, spot, sure. the game six against Oklahoma City, the game six last night, he was magnificent as well for for Golden State. Thirteen to twenty three overall, nine of fourteen from three point range, just a ridiculous game overall. Six rebounds. 
four steals, a couple of assists going on down. Even in a game where Kevin Durant, six, six of 17 from the field, it's just been interesting to watch the ebb and the flow of how things have really gone into the, him being the focus. And then for this game, Clay Thompson coming up with the big shot after big shot. But for the Warriors, it, it almost seemed that you, you've, you're not a big movie guy, but you've seen Gladiator. No, but that's okay. Just go ahead and explain. All right, it like so I there, have. there's just a a one liner that I, that I love so so much from from Russell Crowe, uh, where at my signal, unleash hell, and that seems to be what what Steve Kerr is allowed to do with these team with this team. At some point, it's like, all right, uh, I think they're done. Go get them, and that's exactly yeah. what happened in the second half here of Game Six to force the Game Seven. Like we the. The fact that we get two game sevens, what's it's happened once back yeah. in 1979. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, rare, rarefied air, and, and we'll get into tonight's game as the show progresses. But the, the fact that we've got winner take all with the Rockets and Warriors, yes, you wish Chris Paul were there because you at least don't have the excuse of he wasn't there. Although, for the national media and certainly here in Los Angeles, his absence just is another footnote to a history of playoff early exits, either for ineffectiveness or for injuries taking him out. So it it does continue that narrative. But now it's on, you know, James Harden to see if he can lead this band of Merriman, all these other unknown players. Mike D'Antoni had to extend his bench for game six. We got guys coming off like, Oh, yeah, he's still on that team. I, thought, I remember yeah, him. I hate to say it, but I actually thought Luke Richard and Bob Mute was going to have a role in the series. I just didn't realize it was going to happen when they were down 25 points in the second yeah, half. Well, I mean, yeah. he, I, he got to check in. And, hey. And Joe Johnson was used. Ryan Anderson saw some game action. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bench. Hey, the benches for all four of these teams that are still alive shrinking, shrinking, and shrinking. Some for injury. Some for other reasons. But you go from being up 17, you're feeling good. Mike D'Antoni, no mustache, but feeling really good about life. And then you lose by 29. I mean, just watch. We could do a flip book of the emotion. I had seen that Vegas didn't buy into the 17-point lead as well, where there was still, like, the, the numbers weren't heavily tilted to the Rockets at that point. Just because you knew you knew that third quarter was going to happen, and that's that's Golden State's money making. The time. surge. He's Mike Carbon. I'm Dan Bayer. We are coming to you live for the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Let's serve up some hot takes and sauces with our executive producer Ryan Dennis and our technical producer Sam Kinsley. Ryan throws up a topic for Mike and I to discuss, and then Ryan gets to pick a winner. How's it going, guys? What up, boys? Hello, morning. Hello. Back in the dentist's office. Yes, yeah, back in the right. dentist's office. We have an appointment with the dentist. That's, That's as close it. to going third person as anybody's going to do on this show. <laughs> well done. All right, this one's real simple for you guys. Are the Warriors the luckiest team ever? Between you know the Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving injuries back in their first title run a few years ago, Chris Paul's injury now, a weak Eastern Conference, and kind of in a way it seems like the Golden State Warriors always have their injuries perfectly timed. So what's in the water up there in the bay? We'll go with uh we'll start with Dan here. I don't think that the Golden State Warriors are the luckiest team ever. Now I would love to give you another example off the top of my head of who is going to be the luckiest team. I'm coming up empty right now, but I can tell you this. The Warriors did have the best team in 2015. 
and Shiro in 2016 came down to it. Maybe there is maybe there is, they caused their own bad luck with Draymond Green's groin kick in Game Four, which allowed the Cavaliers to get back into things in Game Five. And of course, we know Cleveland ended up winning that series last season. Hey, the Warriors ended up showing their muscle. I think that Golden State has been the best team in the NBA over the last three years, and it just took a great effort from LeBron and Kyrie Irving in 2016 to knock them from their perch. So while they got, they've got, they gotten breaks along the way and they had Chris Paul knocked out, there isn't a guarantee that the Rockets win game six last night. We could have been in the same boat that we are right now, even if Chris Paul played last night. I don't think that the Warriors are the luckiest team ever. I still think with all the breaks that they got, I still think with all the breaks that they got, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming <laughs> that they were the best team in the NBA. All right. Luck is what? Opportunity and preparation meeting the intersection on that highway of life. And over the course of time, we know our, our teammate here, Rob Parker, calls Tom Brady the loat. Yes. I know I'm jumping out of out of sports for a moment. Hey, I just, he I just, just wanted, said he didn't even give you any parameters. I just wanted to throw it out there because it always makes me smile. The, the reality is you, you beat who's on the schedule. The guy's hurt, he's hurt. You miss multiple guys along the way, hey, sometimes that's the breaks. But we watch this team, and it's the excellence of execution, having these extra shark's teeth that when one guy's off, the next guy can come up and bite you just the same. And that's what we see, Clay Thompson showing up in Game 6, Steph Curry having a better game than he had in a while. And why? Well, no legs. No legs left for Houston, so finally open to create more havoc on the offensive end. Five three-pointers and 12 made shots overall, so you see more of that. Do I like the idea of saying, hey, they're the luckiest? Sure, it gives us another narrative to follow through the rest of this run, but you've got guys who've performed very well in a system. They score in bunches, and that's what they're taking advantage of now. So, uh, yeah, we'll call them lucky, but uh, sometimes you'd rather be lucky than good. And in their case, they're both. I think I got to start off here with uh, Mr. Mike Harmon. Here, oh, geez, uh, right out of the gate. A lot of cliches. I love, I love, and yeah, exactly. The cliches, it it, it, uh, it makes for good, you know, a good narrative. Some good analogies. Yeah. I look at, as you have luck in the playoffs, sometimes it's who you end up having to play. Sure. And not with the injuries. And so it's like certain matchups if you're uh, – if you're maybe a middle seed and then all of a sudden, like, you know, we'll just take, for example, like Kansas State in the NCAA tournament this season. We just figured they were going to play Virginia in the second round. Well, all of a sudden, UMBC ends up getting the upset, and now K-State's in the in the Sweet 16. We kind of count them out against Kentucky, and then they go to the Elite Eight. But that's where I, I, I kind of end up looking at Michigan's run this year. Heck, sure. You know, sure, I mean, the, 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 the parting the, of the Red Sea. Yeah, absolutely. Like maybe those teams were luckier as we look back and see. I still think the road that Golden State of having to go through Cleveland during those years, having to go through the Rockets this year, there were no breaks. They were just good. Simple enough. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Was the Rockets' awful second half a sign of things to come in Game 7 on Monday night? We'll talk about it next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. You can always listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app. You can find the show on iTunes. Just subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends 
and download the show every single week and also listen to us on Sirius XM Channel 83. Love your feedback. Find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Mike, where can they get you at? Find me over at Swollen Dome. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. You could switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Western Conference Finals heading to a Game 7 after Golden State's 115-86 win last night. Reports uh, ESPN Woj saying that it is unlikely Chris Paul plays in Game 7. That was the sense I got immediately when he was hurt in Game 5. That, that this, was, this was done. Oh, that look on his face as he was walking towards the tunnel, right? He put the T-shirt on, dejected, and... You know, we had Bill Plaschke, our buddy from the L.A. Times, on. He comes on and immediately goes, I've seen that look six straight years. I've seen that look at the end of injury problems. I've seen that look at the, the end of ineffectiveness and when they've made mistakes with those Clipper teams. And, and certainly it was, it was deflating just because you, you want to see the, the best you know, heavyweights going blow for blow for the final couple of games, especially when you're talking about one of your A-list guys. And now – from Mike D'Antoni, can you shuffle up and deal and rally these guys one more time? So they got the win on Thursday night, and it just took the the wind out of the sails, even after the victory, because now you're like, oh, geez, how are we going to do this without Chris Paul? It was kind of, did you see the Champions League final yesterday? You know, Real Madrid tops Liverpool 3-1, and then Cristiano Ronaldo's like, you know, my time here has been nice, or you know, it was nice. <laughs> and Gareth Bale's like, I want to go play somewhere else, so they end up winning, and everybody's like, Hey, wait, wait a sec, what's going on? All That's right. not the story anymore. <laughs> yeah, back to hoops. Our good friend Steve Collar, a basketball insiders, joins us here on Fox Sports Sunday to break down not only Game Seven that we or Game Six that we saw last night, but Game Seven that we could see tomorrow and another Game Seven tonight. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for getting up this morning, fellas. How are you? We we are doing well, and. Uh, how do you think the Houston Rockets are feeling after that second half last night where they scored just 25 points in that game six defeat? Yeah, you saw it. You know, first half, you know, they put up, what, 39 points in the first quarter. They're hitting threes everywhere. Eric Gordon's going, Chris Paul, who? And then they just come apart. You know, the threes stopped falling, the defense. I looked over, I was watching the game with my wife. I looked over to my wife, and I'm like, you know, the Rockets are playing some really good defense, and then the defense went away. It just seemed like they put it all on the floor in the first quarter and had nothing in the second half. And then when Steph Curry started being Chef Curry and cooking all over the place, you know, they just came apart. Um, it, it, it was surprising, but this is kind of been Houston's problem, is that, you know, when it, at the moment of truth, they haven't been able to seal the deal, and it's not because they don't have talent. You see they have talent all over the place. There's just something that just doesn't click with those guys that does with the Warriors. And, again, maybe that's the heart of the champion stuff where he comes out It's talked about. Maybe it's just how special Steph Curry and, and Kevin Durant are because those guys came out of the locker room in the second half ready to play. Houston wasn't. Well, Steve, one of the things that we've covered over the course of the series, my, my partner Jason Smith and I during the week, and Dan a little bit and I this morning, just talking about that defensive effort and whether just looking at a short bench and, and what you have in reserves, whether they're just spent, right? Where Steph Curry, for the first few games of the series, they beat the hell out of him up and down the court, and then by the fourth quarter he had no legs. The jump shot's coming up short. He's not explosive to the hole. And now here come game six. There's, there's just nothing left in the tank. 
to a certain extent, but, you know, look, when Luke Mamute is still kind of struggling to get his arms up over his head, you're asking P.J. Tucker to be the only guy that can slow down, you know, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. Trevor Reza does a great job. It's just, uh, I'd agree with the idea that when you're playing seven guys, eight guys, you're asking them to do a lot because the Warriors are downhill runners. They they get moving and go, and they move the ball, which means you've got to move your feet laterally, and, and there's just only so much of that you can do. And, you know, if your shots aren't falling, and I think that's the problem with nine seconds or left, three-point basketball, is th- bad threes end up being long rebounds, and now you're in a track meet, you never get a chance to set up a transition defense. Now you're chasing guys, then you foul those guys, and it's kind of a downward spiral, one, because of the pace you want to play, but also the style you want to play. Steve Kyler of Basketball Insiders joining us. You can find him on Twitter at Steve Kyler NBA. I asked people this question two weeks ago when the Western Conference Finals started, and I think it's a perfect time to ask this question now because this series is about to end. But my question, Steve, was can Mike D'Antoni's reputation change with a close series that they don't win? He's now gotten that. With that, did he has he shaken shook the reputation that he had in the past of this system and and what he has done? Is that off of his resume now? Has he has he shook his reputation? I think he had shaken it prior to the playoffs. I mean, when you look at just how good Houston was, and again, I think the best kept secret in Houston is Jeff Bezelik. He's he, They bring him in to be defensive coordinator, and Mike D'Antoni's hands off, and now the all-offense, all-threes that Daryl Morey wants to run makes sense when you give Jeff Bezelik complete control over a defense, and they were great on both ends of the floor. That was always the knock, that there was no D in D'Antoni. Um, you know, they've been good. And, and look, I think this is where the NBA wants to be. You know, I talk to a lot of teams, especially the teams that, that have been looking for head coaches. They want to understand how are we going to shoot more threes? How are we going to get, you know, higher percentage twos? You know, how do we get rid of the mid-range game? And those are all things Mike D'Antoni's been teaching, you know, basically preaching for a decade or more. And now this is how the NBA plays. So godfather of modern basketball is how a lot of people see him. I think the fans are coming around to it as well. All right, Steve. So last one on this series. We'll assume for the moment no Chris Paul and everybody's saying all the right things in the postgame after they get boat raced and lose by 29. Uh, home crowd is fun and exciting and everybody will get a free T-shirt. But how do they go home happy? Yeah, the big thing about home advantage, and you kind of see this, is the secondary players play better at home. You're seeing it in the Boston-Cleveland series. You know, stars play well in any environment, but secondary players, this is where the P.J. Tuckers, this is where the Gerald Greens, this is where they get a little bit more bounce. And is that enough bounce to beat a Warriors team that's going to have their back against the wall and have a little bit of swagger? heard it from them all night no doubt we knew we were going to be here you know so this is this is a team that's coming in confident confident and the thing about game sevens i think this is why we all love game seven it is a flip a coin game it's who really wants it two guys get hot and now it's over so who's the two guys that get hot you're at home it could be one of your bench players steve kyler joining us here on fox sports sunday he's mike Harmon. i'm dan byer steve covering the nba for <laughs> basketball insiders so then let's talk about tonight's Game 7. How much will the Cavaliers miss Kevin Love, who's out with a concussion? It's huge. It's huge. You know, the one thing about Kevin Love, and I know fans, you know, Kevin's brittle and Kevin's this and he's not that. 
He is a double-double machine that is an incredible passer that makes a lot of good things happen and stretches the floor, and there's no one else on the roster that can do it. And now you're going to lean on Kyle Korver to kind of be the stretch guy. You're going to put more shots in J.R. Smith's hands, and that's not always a good thing. You know, when Kyle Korver is forced to shoot a lot and he's going to shoot more contested shots in this game, and you're on the road when you're probably not going to shoot as well, that's that's a bad thing, a, a very bad thing. You know, we'll see. You know, this is a time for Larry Nance Jr. You saw him show up big in, in game six. You know, he's going to get a lot of minutes. Now we're going to see more Tristan Thompson. We've seen Tristan Thompson be a monster around the rim in a pick-and-roll game with LeBron. So these guys are going to have to step up. But it is a huge blow for the Cavaliers. It, it's, a, it's a big deal. Well, the big, biggest thing here is who's going to get George Hill his barbacoa tacos from Chipotle? It's about three-quarters of a mile <laughs> from the stadium. He was saying uh, – Hey, I had him before each home game, and he's come up with uh, 46 points in three home games. So perhaps that's the key. Yeah, you're going to have a staffer, even if you send the assistant coach. He's getting his tacos today. There's no question. (laughs) And if you think for a second that superstitions in the NBA are trivial, they're very, very serious. Like Kevin Garnett, when he was with the, the Boston Celtics, it was a requirement to have peanut butter and jelly in the locker room. There will be... Some, uh, some tacos there for George Hill. See, it's funny because, uh, you know, I, I joke, but I, I was on air and, and I said, I'll buy because I want a competitive <laughs> Game 7. I don't I don't want another laydown effort. Like, I, I would assume we don't get one in Game 7. But we've had so many opportunities during this postseason where one or the other team, after a quarter, I can go watch old reruns of, you know, Family Feud or, or Game Show Network just because the, the games seemingly stopped for one, of the, one or other. Well, the funny thing is, is he may get too many tacos in this for the very reason you just mentioned. Everybody making sure George gets his tacos means 50 tacos in the locker room. Everybody wins. Well, well, this may be fitting. <laughs> the Cavaliers have been a shell of themselves on the road. Does it change? Does it change tonight, Steve, Game 7 of the East? You know, again, I go back to it's the secondary players. LeBron's been really good, you know, regardless. But the George Hills, you know, certainly – you know, when you're talking about Jordan Clarkson, when you're talking about Tristan Thompson, well, those guys have it. And if you don't have in Game 7, you should hang up the jersey because this is what you play for. Game 7 in Boston, I mean, that, that's, that's really fitting. Um, but there's going to be energy. There's going to be crowd. And the young kids for Boston have played so well on their floor. You know, Terry Rozier has been a monster. Jason Terry, Jason, Jalen Brown, these guys have been electric on their home floor. And no better tactician in the game right now than Brad Stevens. And there are a lot of miscues in game six that you can write up and, and get a better inbounds play, get an after timeouts play. And that's where Brad Stevens shines. So the advantage certainly goes to Boston because those young kids are going to be real comfortable on their floor. I was going to say, why is he only a genius in Massachusetts? <laughs> well, no, I'm going to tell you that, guys. Uh, you know, look, I think the in-game stuff, and I've talked to enough coaches and, and players about it, the in-game stuff sometimes rubs the players the wrong way because he's quick to substitute. But the out-of-bounds plays, the after-timeout plays, when he grabs the clipboard, um, he has you. you. You don't have anything against him. The problem is, is he can't call timeout for every possession. I'll wrap up with this. Steve Kyler joining us here on Fox Sports Sunday. Who do we see playing in Game 1 of the NBA Finals on Thursday? 
Yeah, that's a good one. I, I still think it's going to be the Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers simply because I think LeBron is a superhero and he's going to show up like one tonight. And I just don't think anybody's going to beat the Golden State Warriors. Look, I, all credit to the Houston Rockets. They've done a, an incredible job. But if Chris Paul is in a uniform to kind of be that counterbalance to what can be hot and cold, I don't think the Houston Rockets can get it done even in their own gym. Find him on Twitter at Steve Kyler NBA. You can feed him any draft questions that you want as well. He'll make sure to get back to you. Find him on Twitter at Steve Kyler NBA. Covering the hoops for basketball insiders. He's Steve Kyler. Thanks, Steve. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game sevens. Anytime, fellas. Be well. See you, Steve. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Magic Johnson and the Lakers are going to prove this week that they've got the magic touch once again. The reason why, after another guy with the magic touch. Isaac Lohenkron joins us with the latest. Hello, Isaac. Once I heard you say magic touch, I was hoping for that exact segue. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dan and Michael. Good morning to you. And for the first time since 1979, both NBA Conference Finals will go to a Game 7. The Golden State Warriors assured that with a 115-86 victory over the Rockets Saturday night. Game 7 Monday in Houston. Rockets head coach Mike D'Antoni says, hey... Even though we lost, it's still better than coaching the Knicks. If someone told us we got the seventh game on our home court against Golden State, would you sign up for it? Yeah, we'd sign up right there. So we got what we want. Now it's up to us to go get it. And it, you know, it'll be rocking and H-Town will be fired up. Now it's up to us to knock them out. Tonight at 8.30 Eastern, Game 7 of the East Finals as the Celtics host the Cavaliers, who will be without Kevin Love due to concussion protocol. Hey, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Finally, Dan and Michael, never a bad time for NFL news, so here's the latest on Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. As we speak, he's attending the Formula One Grand Prix of Monaco as a guest of Prince Albert. Brady earlier did an appearance in Monaco with driver Daniel Ricciardo, where he threw Ricciardo a yacht-to-yacht football pass, and then moments ago, Brady did this deliciously awkward red carpet interview with Sky Sports. Listen. Danny's on the pole. He's going to be tough to beat. Yeah, we saw you throwing a ball to him. That was pretty impressive for boat to boat. Wasn't it? It was a great catch, yeah. It was a great catch. He's a a good athlete, and he kicked it back equally as well. You like driving fast cars? Yes and no. They're very cool, but I like safety. I take a lot of too many risks in my life. Best part of that, the long pause after do you like driving fast cars? Wow. Dan and Michael. Uh, hopefully there's no contract language that says Tom Brady can't drive fast cars. Uh, you know. It's probably a few pages of things you can't do in his, I would assume. Because you know that this guy was listening. It's already been addressed. There you go. Nicely uh, done. He's only talking about the people that are there. Uh, thank you very much, Isaac. This is Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. We've got Game 7 tonight in the East Finals, Mike. Game 7 Monday night in the West Finals between the Rockets and Warriors in Houston. And then on Tuesday, there's even more NBA action. Leangelo Ball works out with the Los Angeles Lakers. This is fantastic stuff. In a pre-draft workout. And I have to say, I am going to give a round of applause to the Los Angeles Lakers. How about that? I know on the surface, this seems ridiculous. And the Lakers, maybe it appeases Lonzo Ball. Maybe it appeases LeVar Ball. But A, they're avoiding the headache, Mike. But B, and most importantly, they are allowing 
everyone else to see what everybody else believes. They are putting LiAngelo Ball in a setting to say, hey, prove to us that you can play in the NBA. Hey, you know what? Not even that. Prove to us that you can hang with these five other guys that we are going to be bringing in on Tuesday for a pre-draft workout. Prove to us that you should be considered in the same breath as those guys despite not playing a game of college basketball and playing in that short stand in Lithuania. Prove to us, and you know what? As you're doing that, show everybody else why you should even be considered. They are allowing they are allowing it to play out, to show, to allow LiAngelo Ball to show what his real worth is without having to make any any sort of concessions, Mike. They they if LiAngelo Ball plays great in these workouts, maybe they still don't draft him, but maybe a summer league spot comes up. But the Lakers are playing this correctly. Give him the opportunity. I don't want to say give him the opportunity to fail, but give him the opportunity to show what he is, and then you will see what LiAngelo Ball is, and everyone else will as well. A very, very smart move by the Los Angeles Lakers. I would love to see the transcript between the Lakers brass and LeVar Ball. All right. All right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bring your kid in, and we're going to let him play. And and when he when he can't run up and down the floor, I mean, I've seen him equated to 35- to 40-year-old guys in rec leagues and at the YMCA with, with his athleticism. Not that, that he can't shoot. There, there have been stretches, and we've certainly seen the film the past week. He can go, and he can get hot, and that's fine. But there, there's got to be a, a little bit in the background of, all right, we're going to give him this chance. But then when it doesn't work out, you're going to shut the hell up. And you're going <laughs> to let us just do our work and move on and go forward. And and look, the best of all worlds is that you find out definitively one way or the other. Can this guy play or at least be some type of role player that you can build on? And as you say, he goes to the G League, whether it's for the Lakers or somebody else, or he flames out and we don't have to talk about him again. And we don't have to worry about it until the next ball brother is up on the conveyor belt and gets his spotlight moment. But right now, I mean, you're, you're looking at the Lakers. They had their comments a couple weeks ago of, hey, nobody's untouchable. That's a very sharp message as well. Lonzo Ball played overall, I think, pretty well watching most of his games here in Los Angeles when he was healthy and, and cleared to play. He's not going to be a 25-point-a-night score. And anybody that ever suggested such is an idiot. Because that's just not his game, right? He's a guy who's going to play a little bit of defense. He's going to distribute the ball and try to help facilitate. So as long as you have guys who can finish the job, which the Lakers didn't have enough guys who were anywhere close to finishing, he'll be a, a fine point guard in this league for a long time. But he's also not not a guy who's a must-keep either. They're, they're not beholden to that number two overall pick if it means that le- him leaving opens the door for free agents or something else to come along. And you know my thoughts on Lonzo. I, I mean, I actually think that he is great for the Lakers. and I, I don't think that he gets a fair shake because of everything that's around him. Mm-hmm. And, we, you know, it's easy to try to, to, to poke holes and you can, you know, point to his – his shooting form, you can point to his shooting numbers. There are issues there, but you still have to, if, if you're going to point at those issues, you have to look at the positives. What I like about this, and I'm not sure how many other workouts LiAngelo Ball is going to get, 
is that the Lakers are at least saying, all right, go ahead. You know what? Go, you know, hey, you want to stay up as late as you want for, you know, prior to school the next day, the old parents trick? Go ahead. You know what? Stay stay up till 1 a.m. See how you feel the next day. See how see the next night if you want to stay up till 1 a.m. You know, you know, like being like, we're gonna give you every opportunity and they are gonna let it play out. Leangelo Ball reported was telling people he had a Warriors workout, and then the Warriors are like, no, there is no workout. This is an opportunity. It, it would be more news, Mike, if the Lakers didn't work him out. You know what I mean? Like well, this way you just kill it, right? Yeah, you, yeah. you don't have – because otherwise the story becomes, oh, there's feud with LeVar Ball, and they're on the outs with Lonzo and whatever else. Here it's, okay, come in and prove it. And then it's all yep. on his performance. Yes. It's going to be all on the game tape, all on the measurables. They really have absolutely nothing to lose, and I think a lot to gain by doing this because I think things are just going to play out, and you're going to see really – how he stacks up, and you're going to hear you're going to hear reports of how the workout went. Sure, there may be some some saying, "Oh, it was a great workout," and some maybe saying, "Eh, not so much." But I think what you are going to to hear overall is that, in my mind, that Leangelo Ball isn't ready for the NBA, and that's all the Lakers want. Well, it always comes down to who you're trying to curry favor from, right? Do you want to stay in with the Lakers in terms of how you're reporting, so you'll maybe be more down the down the middle or, or pro whatever makes the Lakers look best. You're going to have those that want access to LeVar. Look, I, I think Jason and I in the evenings, we may be one of two or three shows that have never talked to a member of the Ball family <laughs> in, in, in national radio. I think pretty much everybody else has had a spin in that car wash. Thank <laughs> you. Are. Thank you. I will take they the are. applause for that. But, you know, you have folks that are still going to want to make sure when he next erupts that they still have access so they're not going to want to – you know, go with the poison pen on Leangelo, even if he's terrible. It's still going to be, well, he did this well or that well. And then you have those who are just there, and they're going to call it right down the middle because, well, they're just journalists. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to watch how this unfolds. The Lakers are doing the right thing, and that is why they've got the magic touch this offseason. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Bayer. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. After Golden State grabbed Game 6 of the Western Finals by beating the Houston Rockets, Draymond Green and Charles Barkley went face-to-face. You'll hear about it next here on Fox Sports Sunday. Blah, 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 blah. Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Byer on Fox. Mike, where can they get you at? Find me over at Swollen Dome. Hey, what does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. You can find our good friend Isaac Lohenkron on Twitter at Isaac Lohenkron as he brings us up to date of what happened while you were sleeping. Hello, Isaac. Dan and Michael, to set this up, we go back to early May after Game 2 of the West Semis between the Warriors and Pelicans, and Charles Barkley had some strong words for Draymond Green. Friendly chatter between Rajon Rondo and Draymond Green. That's what you want to call it? I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Which, Which one? one? <laughs> I really do. I just want somebody to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? Mario J in Atlanta. I want to punch him in the face. Why you don't like Draymond? I'm just telling you, I want to punch his ass in the face. I do. Green's reply at the time. He's seen me a million times. If he feel that strongly about it, then punch me in my face when you see me. If you're not going to punch me in my face when you see me, then shut up. Well, he's seen me a bunch of times, and he'll see me again this year. Punch me in the face when you see me, or if not, 
No one cares what you would have done. You old and it is what it is. So fast forward to last night while you were sleeping on the TNT on-site post-game show after Game 6. The on-set guest with EJ, Kenny, Shaq, and Chuck was Draymond Green. Ah. But unfortunately, their face-to-face confrontation, much like Mayweather-Pacquiao, did not live up to the hype. Listen. Okay, what annoys you? Number one, uh... He's never committed a foul. Ding, ding, ding. No, 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 when he what now? When he pushes and shoves guys out the way. He knows what he's doing, too. Ding, 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 ding. He's trying to physically impose his will. I have no problem with the way he plays. I just said sometimes when he starts yelling and screaming or he doesn't admit he committed a foul, it drives me nuts. Okay. Perfect. And let me tell you, and I've said he would be a perfect guy to play with, but he would be annoying to play against. Okay. Well, how do you take oh, it? Of course, I got a question. Let's look at the man. Let's the guest. Let him speak. Um... To be honest with you, I don't think any of us in the NBA has committed a foul. Uh, <laughs> no one likes when the referees call a foul on them, but I, I can't get bad with that at times. And my mom always reminds me of it. My grandmother would say my uncle was really hard on me about it. So, you know, that could I could understand that. Nonetheless, as much respect for my wife. Guys, this is why the noted philosopher Shaquille O'Neal says NBA stands for nothing but actors. Oh, very good, very good. I wanted blows. I, I wanted ears uh, throwing a microphone uh, in a face. Come uh, on, Draymond. I, 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 You're not on the court. This is this is the whole point, and I said it on this show when it happened. At least I think I said it on this show. No, the, we'll give you credit for it yeah. anyway. Go ahead. Charles Barkley, when he was talking about Draymond Green and Rajan Rondo going nose-to-nose in that, in that playoff game, Chuck is speaking as a player at that point. And I think it's different. I I think there are guys that Chuck, during his playing time, wanted to punch in his face or in their face, and he did. And I think that's where he was coming from with all of this. And then he had to to do the apology, and and then they they played nice last night. It's ridiculous to think that Charles Barkley would hate Draymond Green. I mean, it just, you're very much the same player in a lot of respects. Yeah, yeah. When you go back and watch the tape of Charles, and that Barkley. was obvious as they were even talking there, and as it went on last night, and I saw the exchange. They pointed to all the things that Chuck did that, yeah, Draymond Green is doing now in his career. I, this is so blown out of proportion. I, I, I think that this was a truth. I know that in Draymond, when he was asked about it in the press conference, was just given the words that Charles Barkley said, sure. so there wasn't context but you also just have to realize the type of player that chuck was and where he's speaking from at that time uh, it's good media fodder certainly and the old a he this guy i'd want to play with and not not against i mean go all the way down kasparitis in hockey aj brzezinski in major league baseball for my beloved white Sox. the guy that you didn't want on the other side he annoyed the hell out of you but if he's your guy He's your oh, yeah. demon. He's your guy that's antagonist. I mean, Dennis Rodman, years with the the Pistons, and all of a sudden he's a member of the Bulls. Hey, now he's our guy enforcing. That's great. <laughs> I don't know what people thought they were going to get in that showdown, especially with Kenny and Shaq and Ernie on set with them. I, I Not that they would get in the way, but I just didn't think you would get any tension. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. There are not one 
but two Game 7s in the next 48 hours. Which one will be best? We'll tell you next. Cavs-Celtics tonight in Boston, 8.30 Eastern time, and then tomorrow night in Houston, it's Game 7 of the Western Finals between the Warriors and Rockets. Getting you set for both on a busy Memorial Day weekend as we honor those that we have lost. I hope you can keep them in your thoughts on this three-day weekend. I know a lot of a lot of a lot of partying, a lot of grilling, a lot of this and that, but there's also other reasons. In fact, Major League Baseball, I don't know if you heard about this, Mike, but they are changing where they are sending the proceeds that they make from the Memorial Day uniforms that they wear. Okay. That they are going to causes that aid families that lost loved ones in war or in the military. There's so there is Major League Baseball is taking on a more focused uh role in where that money goes. It used to go to a different veterans foundation, but as they analyzed it, they were saying what's the real the real meaning of Memorial Day and it's to remember those that were lost. So they wanted to make sure that the funds were going to a a worthy cause, not that the other one wasn't a worthy cause, but one that was more aligned with what Memorial Day is all about. And so Major League Baseball actually changing their policy this year of where the proceeds will go to their Memorial Day uniforms that are being worn. Through their Memorial Day efforts since 2008, saying they've committed more than $30 million. A lot of change uh, certainly rolling through and worthy cause and as everybody goes out and about over the course of the weekend. You know, take a moment to to reflect uh, on the service and and the the ultimate price being paid we we were driving yesterday and passed a couple of cemeteries where there were big ceremonies sure. going on and it was a, it was a good teachable moment for the kids i mean they're still young enough to where a lot of this doesn't resonate but here was a, an opportunity to just pull over for a side to the side of the road for a minute give you know a, a quick here's here's a history lesson here's what this weekend is about type thing, and I would encourage others to do the same. I give credit to Major League Baseball for being cognizant of that. Remember the flack that the NFL got years back when we found out that the Department of Defense was actually paying for all those awesome Veterans Day ceremonies that you had before the game? You're like, wait a second. You know, this something is not right about this. just didn't feel right. This actually feels right by Major League Baseball to be active in doing something. See, that one was always a tough one because it's a the idea that you know there's still money's going back out, right, in terms of the charitable works, but we see how many sporting events do you see video game-like ads by the military. So to me, it was an extension of mm-hmm. the promotion and branding, but it certainly hit the wrong note. Yes, I think that people understand to a certain part, but then when you saw the See the flyovers. Right. You're thinking like, oh, that's so that, that that's so great. You don't look at that as a promotional aspect. Right. You think it more tugs on the heartstrings than anything. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Before we dive into some hot takes and sausage, which game seven do you feel is going to be the best game? Tonight or tomorrow? Tonight'll be the better game. Because you have everything that goes with the LeBron James narrative and career arc and all the swirling of is he staying, is he going, what can his band of Merriman do, is Ty Lu just a guy in a nice suit. All of those things flow in. Brad Stevens, super genius, can't win away from 
from the garden in, in Massachusetts, right? TD Garden, that's it. And, and outside, these guys haven't played well at all on the road spurts, but certainly not being able to put full games together. But can they topple LeBron and send this offseason into potential a spiral with a huge ripple effect? I know their win in Philadelphia was a close one, but I will say I, I have thought that I've thought that the Celtics have been on the when they're on the road have been better than the Cavs have been on the road. Sure, in the in the yeah the lay, the lay down effect for yeah. the Cavs has been certainly and, higher, and that's why like tonight I I actually think you're going to see because I think the Celtics win tonight. I think you're going to see a frustrated LeBron, which may provide more theatrics, but I think that tomorrow night's game in Houston with the energy and and we'll we'll find out. There, there's two spots in tomorrow's game that I think are important: the start. And then the third quarter, and the third quarter has always really told the story. It sure. seems to be in this series, and then, and, and and that will be the keys, especially for the Houston Rockets, who are likely shorthanded without Chris Paul. Yeah, I mean the the beauty of it is both give us the the great storylines, right, of the dynastic nature of what we've seen in Golden State. Should they lose? I mean, because look at just go back in your timeline of what people were saying the end of the first half and during halftime of that game yesterday in terms of what it meant for the largesse of the Warriors, right? Kevin mm-hmm. Durant, should he stay or should he go? He's already got some uh, clinics set up in the San Francisco Bay Area for the summer. So many pointing to that saying, yeah, this will get worked out. There's no problems. But you have all those, you know, do you break up the band, all of those kind of things. Yeah. And Clay Thompson reportedly willing to leave 50 to $60 million on the table. That's That was the report you know, early last week. So that one raises some eyebrows. Then he goes out and has his 35-point game. James Harden, Mike D'Antoni. I mean, it, the storylines are great. But, you know, we're looking on the, the large-scale things, the Warriors dynasty and LeBron James and all of those inane chatter. I mean, it's look, it's countless hours of fodder on TV, radio, and in print about the Michael Jordan comparisons or Kareem or whoever we want to randomly put on the other side of that fight. We can do that. But certainly heading into free agency, it gives us you know some more excitement to get through. And as we go towards the, the finals, I, I just think it's amazing that we've got two game sevens out of this. That there were different points in both series. Like, oh, this is going to be quick. Yeah. Right? The Warriors, yeah. it looked like after that game one, James Harden, Chris Paul combined to shoot 56%, and they still lose by 13, and it wasn't even that close for most of the game. And now you see Chris Paul's out, James Harden's still shooting 41% from the field for the series, and yet you're seeing these secondary players have forced this thing into a Game 7. It's it's an amazing run, and off of what we had and all the storylines and greatness of the regular season, it's good that it, while we still lament the number of blowouts on either side of the ledger throughout these playoffs. We still have had some great storylines and moments along the way. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. This is Fox Sports Sunday, and let's serve up some more hot takes and sausage. Yeah, Mike buddy. Carmen has a 1-0 lead on me after one round. Ryan Dennis, our executive producer, and Sam Kinsey, our technical producer, serve up topics. Mike and I discuss, and then the Dennis gets to choose the winner. What's happening, guys? I hope it's not like pulling teeth, but... Oh, uh, all right! Yeah, there, there it you is. go. 
All right, so this one, it might be a little, uh, this one might be more skewed towards one person out of the two of you, but uh, we'll go with, we'll start with Mike in this one. Um, So uh, former Seahawks defensive end Cliff Averill recently said that a lot of guys were turned off by Pete Carroll and his philosophies after the goal line, you know, the kind of infamous play call in Super Bowl Forty Nine. Considering his age, the overhaul Seattle has done this offseason, and the potential for a not-so-great season going into this this upcoming season in 2018, is Pete Carroll going to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks in 2019, or if we're giving a little leeway, 2020? Ooh, want to go all the 2020? Nah, maybe maybe we leave before then. He'd go back and uh, still dominate the collegiate ranks, can he? Those fires that he left and set in, at USC don't don't stay for him, do they? When he left left town under <laughs> like a thief in the night. No, uh, you still have a solid base here. You still have Russell Wilson. You still have a, a team that can win. I, I'm certainly not uh, questioning Cliff Averill's comments here. That it certainly would have made people raise their hands in the locker room, especially when you've got Marshawn Lynch sitting there, who was so instrumental in what you were doing, going up and down the field, even on that drive to then go away from it. But when we look at it, it's unless he decides to walk away and he still acts and coaches younger than most of the guys in the league, I don't think he just walks away of his own volition and still you're, you're competitive and the division's going to be better. I, I don't think he leaves. I think he's still there. I think that Pete Carroll will stick around for a couple of more years if that is your question. The changes that they made with the coaching staff, Brian Schottenheimer is now their offensive coordinator, so Daryl Bevel is out, Tom Cable is out, uh, Chris Richard is out as the defensive coordinator, so you bring Ken Norton Jr. in, which, by the way, means that Pete Carroll is going to be running that defense just the way it is. It's going to be Pete's defense. What is different about this group than the other groups is what Ryan mentioned. Cliff Averill's not there anymore. Richard Sherman's not there. Michael Bennett. And those were the guys that probably tuned out his message. So now you have got a bunch of new guys. And sure, you still have Earl Thomas there and Bobby Wagner. But this defense in the core that you've had over the last few years, no longer there. So these new pieces maybe aren't worn down by the Pete Carroll message of always competing. Remember, Pete's an old head coach. I think he's the oldest in the NFL. Yeah, that's right. Compete, so, compete, compete, yeah. and all in, right? Yeah, so yeah. this message is going to be new to the players, even though it may be an old message. So I think that he sticks around. Well, okay, Mike. So just because Dan is the Seahawks fan here, it's that's not the only reason why I'm going Dan here. I like the... Uh, I like his. Uh, I think he brings up a good point. Yeah, and now that all the guys that have been hearing the messages over and over again, it's going to be a new group of guys, and maybe you can get through and then start a whole new, uh, you know, a whole new. Uh, yeah, and well, that's a new sales pitch. Right. I agree, exactly. absolutely. And what's interesting is you mentioned that Russell Wilson is still there, Doug Baldwin is still there. You've invested in the offensive line, not only with the Dwayne Brown trade last year, but you drafted Rashad Penny. You've made some other moves. And, and by the way, they have invested in the offensive line in the past with draft picks, Jermaine Effetti, Justin Britt, right. uh, Ethan Postick, all those guys right now slated to start for them in 2018. Effetti, maybe, maybe not. But the point is, you still have Russell Wilson, as you said. It will be interesting to see on how much of the running game takes over and how much the defense can catch up because last year it was all on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. And, and one other point about... What Cliff Averill was saying, 
If you remember, the Seahawks had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter of that game. Mm-hmm. And New England ended up going down and, and scoring two touchdowns. And I'm not saying that it's on the shoulders of the Seahawks' defense. But the point is, they were up 10 in the fourth quarter. So you could put everything you want on the shoulders of that play call. What? Eight-man front. You've got man-to-man on the outside. And the, the, the only thing wrong with that play call was that it was thrown to Ricardo Lockett. The ex- well, the execution, and, and it goes into a topic I, I know that's been hot with what Dak Prescott's saying uh, in terms of what you need in receivers. That play was indicative of where yeah. you need a guy that can fight through. Yeah, Ricardo Lockett is, was your was your fifth wide receiver on that team. Right. And, and, and remember, they, uh, they had Chris Matthews, the wide receiver that came out of nowhere and had a great Super Bowl. Right. And sure. So there's... So they they weren't necessarily strong in in those points, but the matchup that they had at the time, and I know it's crazy to say just handed off to Marshawn Lynch, Seahawks weren't like world beaters when it came to second and short or third and short. Maybe the thinking of how it all played through of trying to save your one timeout. Sorry to relieve relive this. This is therapy. Are you for okay, me. buddy? Yeah. yeah, this is it's it's good to just talk it out. It's good to talk it out. It, well, just the old theory of if you have a guy like Marshawn Lynch, use that card. Sure, play and that he card. Had four and, yards on the carry. Yeah, yeah that led up. To and it. that's fine. But it, it's just the idea that you you do have this turnover of this team, and that you you could, should be able to have a second life here. And, and we talk about this a lot with coaches, where you have your your big game. Whether you win it or lose it, right? It's what Harbaugh is going through in Baltimore right now. He's no longer been seen as a genius. There's a lot of cracks and Joe Flacco. We don't even joke about him being elite anymore. That he should maybe lose his job before any of the other guys have taken a snap with the Ravens at this point. But you know, Lovey Smith when he was with Chicago, right, got them to a Super Bowl. But then you've got a number of years where you can't beat any good teams. You, you fold to Green Bay time and again, and even if you're winning 9, 10 games, you're, you're just treading water. You're not pushing towards any grand grand conclusion that at some point you have to change the message. I don't know that in this case the, the Seahawks are at that point, and it's the old rule of thumb. If you're going to replace him, where are you going? He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Game 7 of the East Finals tonight, Game 7 of the West Finals tomorrow. Is there any chance? that Chris Paul can gut something out and play in Game 7. We'll ask an NBA vet next year on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm just about that action, boss. Fox Sports Sunday, he's Mike Harmon, I'm Dan Beyer. Game 7 tonight between the Celtics and Cavs in Boston is at 8.30 Eastern time. Then tomorrow, Rockets and Warriors play Game 7 at Houston Monday night. Thomas tweets in, curious how many times has CP3 been injured in important playoff games? A bunch. <laughs> that's, that's really all it comes down to, right, is games missed, moments missed, and certainly the time in Los Angeles, many pointing to failures on the court, but certainly injuries playing a part. He is Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Joining us now, 15-year NBA veteran, NBA hoops analyst for Fox Sports, and us here on Fox Sports Radio, and he was in a few weeks back. Olden Pollard joins right. us here on Fox Sports Sunday. Hey, Olden, good morning. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. <laughs> Let's, uh, okay, there's the report out that Chris Paul is unlikely to play in Game 7. With a hamstring strain, is there any way that he could gut anything out to play with that sort of injury on Monday night? I don't ever want to tell you know, players what to do. I would never do that. 
I just know how I was and, you know, some of my brethren back in the days. Oh, we'd wrap that thing up and go. <laughs> so, you know, but again, it's not a tear, it's a strain. I don't know what a strain is. Uh, I'm assuming it's some new stuff that they came out with. So it just seems to me in a game seven to get to the finals. Even if you do Willis Reed, you know, mm-hmm. one play, you come out. Just that alone will help your team. I like that. So just that me, emotional just lift. Yeah, get that emotional lift. Obviously, he was in the warm-up suit. I don't know what kind of rope-a-dope they thought they were playing with everybody with that yesterday. Uh, but we certainly see for a first quarter, they, they had a lot of a lot of run in them for 12 minutes, Olden, before uh, well, the wheels fell off. Well, of course. I mean, Chris Paul is the guy that keeps everything together. And that's one thing about him. He is a very, very good player. You know, I'll never take that away from him. He knows how to, you know, settle guys down. And, you know, sometimes one of the problems that we used to have with Chris Paul when he was with the Clippers is that, you know, he held onto the ball almost to a fault. You know, he he doesn't risk a lot of things, a lot of plays. And that bodes well for him as far as like not having a lot of turnovers and I think that's what they were missing yesterday because these guys they were just throwing the ball everywhere and so to me he does help a team stabilize but you know it's unfortunate you know he is snake bit and I used to say this all the time when he was here he and Blake Griffin it's like you could set your watch to to their injuries it's like I know it's coming you know it's coming you know exactly the time that is going to happen right in the playoffs. Holden Polony is joining us here on Fox Sports Sunday, 15-year NBA vet now covering the game for us here on Fox Sports and Fox Sports Radio. So if you're the Houston Rockets and you're coming off of a half where you just scored 25 points in what could have been a clincher for you, how in the world do you rebound from that? What positives can you take heading into Game 7 how do you how do you bounce back from a defeat like they had last night? Well, the positive is you have one more game and it's on your home court. Also, James Harden found his shot a little bit. Um, so those are some positives. But along with that, I saw something very interesting. I saw Eric Gordon kind of like panic. And he turned into Nick Young after missing those three um, free throws in a row. And I could see it in his eyes, and that's a bad sign. I hope, you know, I don't know if it's going to change, you know, by by tomorrow, but I'm telling you right now, that was an interesting look on his face. And his game, you know, he shot like two air balls after that. Right. And that's not good. So they're going to have to address that right away, you know, get him to refocus, or else this thing's over because he's uh, he and uh, along with Chris Paul have been the two guys that's carried them two games they probably should have lost if it wasn't for those two guys. So some way somehow he has to refocus again, and not let those free throws bother him. Nineteen points, five turnovers, and minus twenty seven uh, in the game. Gordon last night. All right, switch over to our our game tonight, Olden. We've got the. The Celtics, who have been, well, everybody's a genius in Boston playing there, the role players, as they're called, all mid-first-round picks, uh, getting it done along the way. Kevin Love ruled out, so now LeBron James has to find someone to play that Robin role. Who steps up on the road today? Uh, Jeff Green, in my opinion, has to be the guy. 
Because, you know, coming out, I mean, he was one of the better players in the trap, but he hasn't panned out the way people had expected or even he would have expected. So he's going to have to definitely have a big game for them. Um, Nance is going to have to continue doing what he's doing. If Tristan Thompson's in the game, he's going to have to step up. But at the end of the day, it's still going to come down to what LeBron does. But I've said this before. It's as simple as this. Home teams have dominated. We know that. But for the Boston Celtics, it's it's come down to Al Horford. He plays well, Boston wins. He doesn't play well, Boston loses. It's been as simple as that. What about Kevin Love's absence? What is Cleveland going to miss without Love on the floor? Uh, rebounding and that, the threat of the outside three. But, you know, it's been up and down with him. He's had some good games and not so good games. But I think his rebounding is very critical to them. And... You know, that's something he does really, really well. You know, he's probably the best at rebounding and outlet, long outlet passes. He's a very smart player. I don't think he gets a lot of credit he deserves, and he gets knocked for a lot of stuff. Even with this injury, I'm like, I didn't see contact, <laughs> you know, personally. So that's my criticism. I never saw contact. But at the same time, you know, they're saying he's out, he's out. But he does, you know, do a lot of little things for them and they're going to miss that, but they have enough guys on that roster that are capable of doing that. I've always said this. Everybody can do those little things. It's whether you choose to or not. Jeff Green, again, is a perfect example. Um, Larry Nance, he can do all those things as well. He's more athletic than Kevin Love. He's not a great outside shooter, but you can balance it out with different guys. I think Rodney Hood's going to have to step up his game. I don't know where he's been this. You know, I hope there's a sighting of Rodney Hood. But if those guys don't show up, each guy taking care of his job. And George Hill, his game has to carry over to Boston. What he did the other night was great. But it has to carry onto to the road. They got to start bringing their game on the road. Three good home games for Hill in the series. Rodney Hood, I think Rodney Hood's responsible for one of the great moments in this playoff run, though, Olden. <laughs> when the reporter asked... Tyloo point blank. Why is this guy still getting minutes? I thought it was it, at that mo- at that juncture. Uh, I, nobody cuts through the through the noise uh, normally in press conferences. Dance around and well, uh, he just said, "Why is this guy playing?" Uh, and we haven't really seen much of him since. So Tyloo must have gone and checked the game tape. Oh, definitely. You know, and I think that's what he did. Still, you know, is part of the equation. You know, telling Ty Lue, you know, you know, I don't want to play. When they were trying to put him in in a blowout situation, right. it's like, hey, you're a professional, you're getting paid. Take your butt into the game. You might not like it. Personally, I would have been like, oh man, I can get, you know, get my game right. You know, get some shots up, especially if you're that type of player. I was not a shooter, you know, looking to shoot, so I still wanted to be out there, and I would have loved to be out there. And I think that's the mindset he should have had, and I think that is residual. Of that incident, him not playing right now. Whether they say it publicly or not, I do believe that's a part of it. 15-year NBA vet Olden Polonies joining us here on Fox Sports Sunday. We're going to wrap it up with this. It's pretty simple. Who do we see playing in Game 1 Thursday night of the NBA Finals? Thursday night, I see the Warriors and the Boston Celtics. All right. So home court held tonight, and then the Road Warriors win it on Monday. Find them on Twitter, at Olden Polonies one and hear him here on Fox Sports Radio. Thanks, Olden. We appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. See you, Olden.
It is Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. You can always listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app and SiriusXM Channel 83. And if you happen to miss it, don't worry. Go to iTunes, subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends, and download the show every single week. Mike, you heard Olden talk about Jeff Green. There is some news on the Cavaliers forward as we go to Isaac Lowenkron to give us the latest on what's happening in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Dan and Michael. And indeed, Cavaliers head coach Teron Liu said at shoot-around a short time ago that Jeff Green will start in place of Kevin Love tonight in Game 7 of the East Finals against the Celtics in Boston. Love not playing due to concussion protocol. One other note, in addition to Jeff Green starting in place of love, the giveaway t-shirts tonight for fans in attendance at TD Garden have been revealed. Black t-shirts with the face of a leprechaun on them with the words, Game Face. Tip off at 8.30 Eastern. On Saturday night, the Golden State Warriors ensured that both NBA Conference Finals will go to a Game 7 for the first time since 1979 as they rallied from 17 down after the first quarter. To defeat the Houston Rockets 115-86, to buying 35 points and nine three-pointers by Klay Thompson. We play smart tonight, or smarter, so if we take the same focus and execute the game plan like we should, I have all the confidence in the world in this team. And uh, these are the moments you live for, man, especially as an NBA player. You want this, you want this opportunity, and it's right there for us. So we got to have amnesia about tonight, and we got to get to Houston and, be, and stay focused. For Game 7 on Monday. Finally, Dan and Michael in Major League Baseball Saturday night. Mike Zanino's home run in the bottom of the 12th inning gave the Mariners a 4-3 victory over the Twins. Seattle at 31-22 and 22 games behind first place Houston in the American League West. Dan and Michael. Thank you very much, Isaac. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Taking a bit of a breather from the NBA because there's a story in the NFL that I couldn't believe when I read it. But I want to just say this, Mike, because we've got a big announcement to make. Oh, let's go. So Scott Bowser tweets in saying, never too early for the NFL. Who would be the best fantasy rookie prospect this year? Well, I'm just using Scott's tweet as the platform for our big announcement. As usual on Fox Sports Sunday, the month of June signifies the return of fantasy football information. Yeah, buddy. From next week's show until, heck, all the way until Super Bowl 53, we will be talking football and really fantasy football the way through week 17 on Fox Sports Sunday. It's a tradition we started a few years back. Mike's already been diving into the lab, going through numbers, going through rankings. So starting next week, we will have a fantasy football segment, and you will have a fantasy football segment every single show on Fox Sports Sunday all the way through Week 17 of the 2018 NFL regular season. See, some folks think that Memorial Day weekend is the unofficial start of summer. No, it's the unofficial start of the fantasy football season because it's time true. to start pouring through the data. Time to start going through these different formations and the coaching changes and the offensive and defensive line schemes. Yeah, I know, but people don't like talking about the big uglies. We do here uh, on Fox Sports Radio. Dan and I get into more offensive and defensive line talk on a week-to-week basis, breaking down fantasy football than most. So you will be the smartest guy in the room 
or or woman in the room uh, as you're sitting there talking about offensive tackles. We'll make sure you've got that information to keep you covered. Uh, and certainly just excited to get back in it because a lot shuffled up this offseason. And if you have any holdover issues or whatever, you can always tweet us and maybe we'll hit the uh, questions next yeah, week buddy. when we start to do fantasy football. Real-life football news out of Dallas. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott telling pro football talk something that we all have believed, I th- I think for a while. I don't want I don't I don't want to blanket everyone in this, Mike, but I think most believe this. But what's unbelievable is this is coming from a quarterback's mouth. Dak Prescott telling ProFootballTalk.com, I don't know if any team in the league necessarily needs a number one receiver. It's about getting the ball out, spreading the ball around, keeping the defense on its toes. Now, Dak obviously asked with the release of Des Bryant and the retirement of Jason Witten. But it is a topic of conversation that we have every single time when the playoffs come about, every single time a wide receiver wants to get paid or wants a new contract, the value of the number one wide receiver. What's so amazing about this, Mike, is this is coming from a quarterback. Maybe not surprising, Dak Prescott, considering that he and Des Bryant didn't seem to be on the same page a lot, but surprising still that it comes from a signal caller in the NFL. Just a bit different because you still want to have your go-to guy. And and while Dak doesn't go quite that far here, losing Jason Witten and they excise Des Bryant from things, you don't have a a go-to guy at this juncture. You've got a a, a collection of young players. You've got a couple that you drafted. You bring in Tavon Austin, a lot of question of what he is at the NFL level. Remember, grossly overdrafted years ago to be the switch. Swiss Army knife, uh, and hasn't really come to fruition. Be curious to see how he's going to be used in this offense, whether they can get his touch count up and maybe make him the explosive player that everybody thought coming out of college. But Terrence Williams, he's in the news for all sorts of other wrong reasons <laughs> this week. Uh, and you've got, what, Alan Hearns on the comeback trail. You don't have a guy that you can say, without a doubt, going into OTAs and eventually heading into training camp is your go-to connection, yeah. right? As much as you may love your running game and your offensive line and maybe your defense is a little bit better, you at least still have to have a go-to. And right now, that's not there. There is a difference between a number one guy and a go-to guy. The number one guy, in my mind, Mike, is the guy, and sometimes they're the same guy. Yep. Antonio Brown is that guy with the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Doug Baldwin is with the Seattle Seahawks when it comes to Russell Wilson. The number one guy is the go-to guy. But it's really the guy you can trust. And when you look at, take New England, for example, Gronk, I would say, is the number one target. But who's really Brady's go-to guy? Julian Edelman. Julian if he's Edelman, on the field, yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. if he's on the field. I look at, perfect example, in Oakland, no longer there, but Derek Carr's go-to guy for a while was Michael Crabtree. And we all thought Amari Cooper was the number one guy. Maybe better example. You know exactly where I'm going because I'm going to the southeast and I'm going to the NFC South. Julio Jones is the number one guy for the Atlanta Falcons. But when you watch when Matt Ryan, he goes just as much to Mohamed Sanu that he did to Julio Jones in clutch situations right, sure. because it's the guys that you can trust. And I think that's the that's the point, and you make it, and I think that's what Dak is, is trying to say here. Now, Dak doesn't have that guy. Does he have Cole Beasley? Is that the guy? <laughs> is, I, I, is that what we claim? I don't think he is going to have that with the absence of Des Bryant and Jason Witten because now some of that attention is off, but it does help when you still have that running game. But he, but he's 
there, there is a lot of truth to what he is saying, and many of us have agreed with that conversation. And I just, I find it unique, and I find it, I find it refreshing in a way where Dak also says it's about spreading the ball around because I think quarterbacks understand that, but it's easy to always just try to try to throw it to your guy. You understand as a quarterback of what you need to do, and I think that it's it's interesting to see Dak here verbalize and saying that. I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a shot at Des Bryant. Maybe it's a little sideswipe at Des Bryant, but the numbers that they had last year between each other when Dak would go to him were atrocious. Well, I just wonder how much of it then, then falls to that, right? Because remember all those years with Calvin Johnson in in Detroit. And it seemed at times, even though there was clearly nothing there, that you needed to have another notch in the target count. Otherwise, you were going to upset the locker room. And I wonder if Dak isn't coming at it from that angle as well. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be looking in a box score to decide who was targeted, who wasn't, whatever. Because until you check the game tape, you're not going to look at coverages. You're not going to look at the box. Because with Calvin Johnson, it was a box and one. It was the basketball principle of let's surround him. And then if they decide to throw to somebody else, we'll take our chances. And that, But you get that myopic view and I, I'm wondering if on some level he's trying to raise a, raise his hand on behalf of quarterback saying, look, we don't need to keep going into just because he doesn't have a huge target count and evidently tying to the large S of the bank account as well, you know, that we don't have to commit $15 million to yep. one receiver. And if we get four guys that are all solid players, that we, we achieve a better goal. And you know what happens when you have a $15 million receiver and you lose a game and they've only got six targets is you say, why wasn't he targeted more? That's what right. are you doing? Hey, quarterback, why, why aren't you getting your ball, the ball to the best playmaker? And guess whose shoulders that falls on? Not on the $15 million receiver. It falls on the shoulders of the quarterback. Well, and then the $15 million receiver will eventually hear about that line of questioning and start chirping about it. Yep. So now you have the residual effect and it starts to become an echo chamber in the locker room as well. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Dak speaking the truth when it comes to wide receivers. Find us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. You can get Mike over at Swollen Dome. Coming up next, someone's legacy in the NBA could be altered forever in tonight's Game 7. And that person won't play a second in tonight's game. We'll tell you who that is next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer was built to save you time and money by allowing you to compare multiple quote options all online. So head to Progressive.com today and see if you can save. Fox Sports Sunday. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Beyer. You can always reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. I'm Mike, where can they find you? Find at? me over at Swollen Dome. We're getting it started. Game 7 tonight. Game 7 tomorrow night. We got tennis We got auto racing, Tom Brady hanging out with Kardashians. It's a mad, mad world. Monaco, Indy, and the Coca-Cola 600. Danica Patrick's last race as a professional driver today. And then she's going to host some game shows or ESPYs or something like that. ESPYs, something like that. That's a game show. Probably go to a bunch of Packer games. Uh, Speaking of games... It's time to play the feud. Welcome, everyone. Look at that wheel fly, Dan Byer. It is the Fox (laughs) family, and things are flying here today 
as we have the top six answers on the board. Mike Harmon, Isaac Lohenkron, Sam Kinsley, and Ryan Dennis make up the Fox family playing Family Feud. Three strikes and a pass available. If you don't know the answer, you can pass, but no one else in the game then can use the pass. We'll reveal one of the answers if you need the pass. Top six answers on the board. Guys, since 1971 is where we are going back for this stat because that is when the NBA turned into Eastern Conference and Western Conference gives us more of a of a recent history. What I want to know, since 1971, top six answers on the board, coaches who have won the most Eastern Conference finals, okay? Coaches in the NBA since 1971 that have won the most Eastern Conference finals. And I bring this up because Teron Liu, with a win today, would win his third Eastern Conference title crown. Let's start with the wizard right in front of me, Sam Kinsley. You are up first. All right. Coaches who have won the most Eastern Conference titles since 1971. Hmm. Let me get uh, let me try Pat Riley. Pat Riley, of course. Mm. Coach of the New York Knicks and the Miami Heat for a time. But did they win Eastern Conference championships? Show me Pat Riley. Oh. No, right off the gun with a with a strike. Let's go to the I dentist's knew, office. He was in the East somewhere. <laughs> he was. Uh, I think I might just go with more of the obvious one, Phil Jackson. Phil oh, Jackson. There you go. Yeah, there those you Chicago go. Bulls teams. Oh, of course. <laughs> Fill it to the rim with brim. There Boom. it is. Number one answer, Phil Jackson. Six Eastern Conference titles. Over to Mike Harmon. Well, why don't we stay down that vein? He brings up Pat Riley. Why don't we go with Spolstra? Eric Spolstra, the Miami Heat with great success. Show me Spolstra. There it is. Eric Spolstra, number three on our list with four Eastern Conference Finals victories. Over to Isaac Lowenkron at the update desk. How about Casey Jones of the great Celtics oh, of the those How about great that? Celtics runs under KC. Show me Casey Jones. All right, there, there it is. Go. Five Eastern Conference Finals back around to the wizard, Sam Kinsley. There is a pass that is still available. I'm going for it. There it is. It's a day of the Indy 500. I'm going per- for it. Perfect on the race day. We are going to reveal <laughs> Billy Cunningham, coach of the Philadelphia 76ers, winning three Eastern Conference Finals. So that means two are left, but the pass is gone. As we go over to Ryan Dennis, our executive producer, I'm going to go uh, the uh, the Pistons. So uh, Chuck Daly, Chuck Daly, that would be a there good you go, guess. there you go. I like it, I like it. Is it a Daly double? <laughs> there it is. Chuck Daly is on the list with three trips to the Eastern Conference Finals. Just one strike on the board. One answer left. A an abbreviated feud today because. Let's just be honest. This is a tough class to crack over to Mike Harmon. Um, hmm. Did he good- get there often enough? Uh, uh. There are guys who have made it to a bunch of conference finals, but it's the winning of the conference no, finals. No, and that's just that's it, right? A, it's, yes. I'm like, well, Larry Bird got the pay- – no, but not not so fast. Uh, do I actually have another answer? How about another – Trying to go through the range of Boston coaches <laughs> while I'm at it, right? I know, I know. The, who else coached uh, 
on that One side. answer left. Here's still who's already on the board. Phil Jackson, Eric Spolstra, Billy Cunningham, Casey Jones, and Chuck Daly. One other coach remains. Isaac Longcron is nervously waiting to see if Mike Harmon is oh, going I, to. I, I, I'm failing to even venture a guess at this point. Harmon. Oh, I, want, I want Boston. You want I, I, Boston. I, but I don't know who. Ooh. Brain's not yeah. working. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I can't even. My, I've wasted too much time, too much filibustering. Ugh. You want me to give it a try, Dan? Uh, well, Go I, ahead. I, I, I need to hear the strike. I need to hear the strike. Yes. Yeah, time is up. That's all right. Two strikes. Two strikes. Okay. Here's up a, to Isaac Longcroft. Here's a Hail Mary. I hope it's mind over Mata. Those Washington Bullets teams of the late 70s, Dick Mata? Wow. With his crazy pants? Oh, would that be that'd be the win of all wins, Dan Byer, as we come to you from the Geico Studios? Where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. You can go to geico.com for a free rate quote. Now back for the final answer. Does it matter or not? I thought Harmon was close because when he said Larry Bird, he was oh so close. It was the one and only Larry Brown. Larry Brown! Wow! You know, in that intro, when they go, party, 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 do they go like, banana, phantom, party? Is that how That it was goes? the part Is that, that was edited out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we had to trim it down for time, but just want to give people enough of a tease that as they hear it in their cars, and we thank you wherever you are on this Sunday morning, uh, that you start singing along. Is it? <laughs> I, I, I'm trying not to be eight. But go ahead, it, B8. Does, does it go banana fan of full farty? Is that how it ends up going? I think that was how only in your car. Okay. <laughs> only in my car. Oh, I just, I wasn't sure. I, I wasn't sure. It's, it's where my mind's at this morning. A little loopy getting ready for two game sevens at the NBA playoffs. Celtics and Cavs tonight. Rockets and Warriors tomorrow. Just some injury updates. Woj is saying that Chris Paul not likely to play for the Rockets tomorrow night. Kevin Love out for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I, I do think that Love it being out is a big deal, Mike. It's with we've asked Olden Polonies, we've asked Steve Kyler, and both have said that he is going to leave something out. I think, I also think for as bad as things are with the Cavaliers, it's still of even having the threat of Kevin Love. And I know that threat isn't as dangerous as it was at one point. But still having him on the floor, I think, is important for the Cavaliers, or at least would be another threat when you end up going shorthanded into a Game 7. So I just I think it is a bigger deal, and I think it's even more of an uphill climb for the Cavaliers than people want to give credit for, give credit to Kevin Love for, for the type of player he is. Just having the threat of him out there, even if he hasn't been as dangerous, I still think would be beneficial to the Cavaliers if he was on the floor. Well, that's it. A lot of the players that pick up those minutes are are not effective from the mid-range. They can't step out and hit a jump shot. And, and for Kevin Love, we talked about it early in the series and all throughout these playoffs. The final numbers, they don't overwhelm you. He's had a couple of big games where you say, wow, Kevin Love was really a force. But quietly going for 15-9 and nine or 17-10, and 10, that's all important minutes, all important boards, 
all things to help stabilize an offense that otherwise has not had a consistent number two to LeBron James this entire season, let alone this playoff run. When you look at Kyle Korver can be disappeared by the fact that Ty Lue was, quote, thrown for a loop in a substitution pattern, right, going back to game five, which should have been a fireable offense (laughs) on the spot. You know, we're we're just talking about going to and winning conference finals and whatever else. I don't care how many he's got. Just based on that, Brad Stevens not picking someone up off his bench for a minute, mate. You left your most effective outside shooter sitting in his warm up suit because you were thrown for a loop is is to me a, a pretty egregious error and a give up kind of moment from the coaching box. I think it also reflects the the mindset of how they view their personnel. Of just of of how they actually view Kyle Korver, and we sit there, and I think it's easy for us to sit back and rank guys and rank players for each team and say, "Well, this guy's this you know this guy's number one, this guy's second most important, this guy's third most important." And I think that there have been arguments throughout the series that Kyle Korver has been the second most important Cavalier as we watch. Sure. However, in the eyes of the coaches and what they have. They have their scouting reports and they have their assessment of how their players are or and how their players will perform. And it's just interesting it because to us it just seems like, huh? Like you're you're letting you're letting Ojale's performance dictate the second best player on your team's minutes. Like that just doesn't that doesn't make sense. It just is it's it's Greek. However, I think it's indicative of maybe how little the Cavaliers actually have. So, you know, and another point about the the Cavs and and what they've got around them, so much has been made about what LeBron James has put together for this team. And if there's anyone to blame for this team, it's LeBron because he's the one that wanted these pieces or wanted this guy and didn't want this guy and kind of had the Cavs of the situation they are. We don't talk about, like, J.R. Smith getting old. We don't talk about Tristan Thompson having, like, more years on and him. whatever's going on with Tristan yeah Tyler. yeah like, there's a whole other backstory yeah, whether sure. whether it's the the stuff with Chloe whether it's see we got two Kardashian references yeah, not bad show. how about that not too not too bad uh and and we talked about LeVar Ball we've really hit on all the big topics we, we should be trending in the pop culture <laughs> world because of that but the, the the fact is that you haven't used him consistently either whether it's age effective well like whatever the decision process is there we we see an injection of some at least rebounding effort and defensive effort when he's in, yet he's in mothballs mm-hmm. oftentimes. So it's it's that question, right? Yeah, and and Ryan Dennis, our executive producer, sends us some story ideas, and you know I'd say Kyle Korver's thirty seven years old. Yeah, and, and same draft class as, as LeBron, right? Yeah. So like, yeah. So it's been a while. Plus, he state he was actually in college for all those. No, years. that's right. So yeah. So it it it. There are, there are pieces that end up creeping up on you, and yeah, you want to move some other stuff around, but then you also realize, okay, well, you know what? Maybe there's actually been some wear and tear on some of the other guys who have actually had to go through all these finals. When we talk about LeBron wearing down, maybe that's a reason why some of these other pieces haven't worked out as well for the Cavs either. How about LeBron getting those guys too big a payday, hamstringing themselves, no pun intended, Chris Paul, uh, <laughs> to, to being able to do other things yeah. and bring in more quality than just quantity when they made those moves at the deadline. Yeah, another factor, too. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. It is Fox Sports Sunday, and it's time for our final helping of hot takes and sausage on this 
Sunday morning, our final Sunday of May. It's the unofficial start of summer. Rob Flores is now our technical producer, our executive producer, Ryan Dennis. What's happening, guys? Yo, yo. All right. What up? All right. So, last but not least, you guys were just talking about the Eastern Conference Finals here. Um, I've been hearing this one a lot lately. Okay. Even though LeBron James has been really putting his team on his back so far in the playoffs, it's safe to say the Cavaliers, I mean, they probably don't have that much of a shot against whoever comes out of the West. So, you know, if if LeBron is able to get past the Celtics and would mean another trip to the finals, would it be better for LeBron's legacy to go down in yet another finals or lose in this series with Boston and avoid it altogether? We'll go with, uh, I, b- I believe we started with Dan, so we'll go, uh, this would be Dan again. Yes. All right, back over to me. Score is tied. I will serve first. Legacy play, Dan Byron. A, leg- a legacy play. I honestly think that LeBron's legacy will not be damaged or changed by losing in the finals. Again, I've said if you love LeBron, you love LeBron. If you are an anti-LeBron, you are anti-LeBron, and there's nothing that's going to happen to change it. But the question becomes, would you rather keep that final streak going or would you rather have it end? And I actually think if we if we want to take a side on this, it would be better for him to not win and go to the NBA Finals where they would be outmatched because there would just be a gap that you would say, okay, this was the best team and this was them. I don't know if it's a I don't know if extending it to eight straight finals is is that big of a deal for LeBron James. I think that the streak is magnificent enough already. Maybe the number ends up matching what you're like, okay, well, Michael Jordan would have had eight if he would have stayed in and played for the Bulls. Maybe, maybe not. But I just don't think that that streak and that bit of information is enough to affect his legacy. So I would say it would actually be better for him to lose if you wanted to look at a legacy big picture thing. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, you're deep down in this well at year 15 that I don't think it matters. You're entrenched one side or the other because Michael Jordan hasn't played a, a basketball game in a long, long while. And even when he was playing at the end, he was averaging 20 points a game for the Wizards. Most don't want to admit yeah. that. And as a Chicago-born guy, I mean, it, it pained me to watch him walk around in that Washington jersey. Uh, so so you have that. I, I think for a lot of the pundits, a lot of the scribes, same thing. We're all victims of the moment and the era in which we grew up. And what was great, I mean, it's the Charles Barkley, Draymond Green thing we were talking about earlier. Ah, they were all tough guys when I played and everything else. And now you've got, you know, they're looked at as whiny or a bully or whatever the case may be. And it's just a a different era and a a different definition that you put onto it. So when we look at LeBron James and the legacy, I mean, my eyebrows raise if they can win tonight and somehow Houston, shorthanded or not, wins Suddenly, Cleveland, you're licking your chops if you're LeBron James because you, you've seen enough flaws in this Houston team that maybe, just maybe, you got a a puncher's chance at winning another title. Whereas you know you're going to go and get blown up if you play Golden State, that they will work you uh, probably in short order. But on the legacy play, I, I don't I don't think it matters. I think everybody's already written their thousand word column and they're ready to just hit send. I think, uh, well, a little bit of the same here, but uh, I, I'm i going to have to go with Dan on this Sunday morning because... Right. Believe, Victory to Meyer. Yes, I believe, you know, at this point, another finals, I mean, what's another finals? We're this legacy secure at this point. 
but you know, we LeBron, already know who LeBron Le, is. Yeah, LeBron's got you know, LeBron's got so many great things in his career and stats and whatnot. And the final streak is pretty amazing. The, I mean, it, it it is of of seven, and if you could make it eight, but they're all f- like almost fictitious arguments. If you will, the the arguments we've already had rings or points or type, you know, whatever it is. I just I the the streak is amazing, but I don't see anybody else being held up to that criteria. You know what I mean? Like we didn't talk about that with Bird and the Celtics. You know, with how many straight NBA finals that the Celtics ended up going to. They, they had a string of four from. 84, 85, 86, and, and 87. We weren't having that conversation back then. Um, it just, it seems like it's almost a, you know what, you want to, I'll, I'll compare it to this, Mike. Okay, let's go. Brett Favre's career start streak. Yep. Before that, I don't think it was, you know, Ron Jaworski had it. And it wasn't like that. It was, all right. But then Favre just kept on playing and playing and playing and playing and playing and playing. And all of a sudden you got this number and you're like, wait, this is this is more ridiculous than Cal Ripken's. Like it wasn't a number on anyone's radar. And that's how I feel about the NBA final streak was maybe it was just because it was there there was never really a, a streak to have or one that wasn't, but it's a like it's a new stat. All of a sudden there's sure. nothing else like comparable to it. There's nobody else to so even adding to a new stat that we have, I don't think changes the uniqueness that it's already been developed yeah and i think it goes back to just again comparing eras and being prisoners of the moment like right now it's just easy to take a baseball bat to what the eastern conference is right Mm -hmm. the toronto raptors were the number one seed they folded like a cheap suit after game three you had casey at the podium go hey we have one more game after benching demar Derozan, Mm -hmm. and they went out and played like they had (laughs) one one more game game. hey we're playing out the streak i'm done do I get uh, a juice box and some orange wedges on the way out? I mean, they, so you're you're seeing teams that are quote competitors and challengers, and and you laugh at them, right? The the Celtics have been the only team during this run that you, you look at, and even coming into the year, did you expect you expected the same when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were supposed to be part of it? Hayward's done before Game One is finished, and then Kyrie is missed what, a third of the season and then all of the playoffs. So it's not even that team that was the challenger, that was the number one seed a year ago defending that piece. It was, all right, now you've, you're have you going in with a bunch of unknowns. Brad Stevens, a bunch of first-round picks, as you and I have talked about a bunch, and I think, you know, I, I let you jump on my back uh, and, and with your megaphone because <laughs> that was a point you brought up a long time ago. It's like these are not second-round guys. These are not – unfound, undrafted free agents. Yeah. They're playing with good players and, and first-round picks. It's just the, the question of none of them have been seen as being elite. And I think when you're looking at the the composition, the sum of the parts for the Celtics, that's all fine. They don't have one guy that you're jumping on, whereas LeBron is his own yep. billion-dollar yeah. enterprise and, and for the league, the one guy that props it all up. Yeah, and I'm not trying to diminish the final streak because it's really amazing. And when you consider the workload that, it, I mean, it's been on his shoulders. It is pretty amazing. I just don't know the difference to be like, okay, I'm not impressed with seven, but eighth, that's a different story. I don't think that that's the case. I think there would be more harm from good to be like, wow, in the three finals losses that they had, the Cavaliers won two games. Yeah, but he you know? didn't have anybody, Dan. Yeah, that's the argument. I know. 
Uh, None of these guys are NBA worthy. It never ends. Back and forth, back and forth we go. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Bayer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. You can always listen to the show on the iHeartRadio app or SiriusXM Channel 83. And if you miss it, find the show on iTunes. Just subscribe to Fox Sports Radio Weekends and download the show every single week. Is George Hill really the key to the Cleveland Cavaliers advancing to the NBA Finals? We'll answer that question next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Dan Beyer. That's Mike Harmon. Reach us on Twitter. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Mike, they can get you at. Find me over at Swollen Dome. Fox Sports Sunday. He's Dan Beyer. I'm Mike Harmon. Brought to you by Geico. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? Means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. And you can start to tweet us fantasy football yeah, questions. Yeah, buddy. Yes, the 2018 fantasy football season will get underway on Fox Sports Sunday next weekend. It is the start of our tradition. It's like our summer gift. School is out. We get you set for fantasy football every show. It's not going to be the whole show next week, but there will be a segment devoted to fantasy football as we dive into Mike's analysis. What are you seeing? Breaking down rankings, matchups, yep. this and that. So feel free to send anything along. We can answer it next week. And I, I look pretty, so we're going to do a lot more video this year, too. All right. Right? Yes. So I can be screaming and frothing at the mouth. We are one for two on looking pretty. I will say that much. Time it was for- my was a self-assessment, Dan. <laughs> hey, hey, I agree. I, I agree. <laughs> Me, not so much. Uh, it's time for us to grab a bite. Maybe that's why I'm not so pretty. I've been grabbing too many bites of donuts this morning. However... This is where we take an opportunity to hear some of the opinions from our guests that we had earlier in the show. One of those guests, Steve Kyler, who covers the NBA for Basketball Insiders, and you can find Steve on Twitter at SteveKylerNBA. Obviously, we're talking about the two Game 7s that we're going to have and a little bit about Game 6 last night with the Warriors and Rockets. But my question, really, Mike, to Steve was about Mike D'Antoni because Mike D'Antoni has had this reputation. And the reputation is that style that that he coaches, the style of offense, doesn't win big games, and it's not going to get you far in the postseason. And I wondered if they were going to get, if they would have been swept by the Warriors, if the narrative would change for Mike D'Antoni. And I and I wondered if if a finals trip changes it, if a close series changes it. Steve Kyler says D, none of the above. I think he had shaken it prior to the playoffs. I mean, when you look at just how good Houston was, and again, I think the best-kept secret in Houston is Jeff Bezdelic. He's he, They bring him in to be defensive coordinator, and Mike D'Antoni's hands-off, and now the all-offense, all-threes that Daryl Morey wants to run makes sense when you give Jeff Bezdelic complete control over a defense, and they were great on both ends of the floor that was always the knock, that there was no D in D'Antoni. Um, you know, they've been good. And, and look, I think this is where the NBA wants to be. You know, I talk to a lot of teams, especially the teams that, that have been looking for head coaches. They want to understand how are we going to shoot more threes? How are we going to get, you know, higher percentage twos? You know, how do we get rid of the mid-range game? And those are all things Mike D'Antoni's been teaching, you know, basically preaching for a decade or more. And now this is how the NBA plays. So godfather of modern basketball is how a lot of people see him. I think the fans are coming around to it as well. What I find interesting in that whole piece, and and I agree on the Jeff um, Bezdelic hire because the Rockets improved greatly on defense even during the regular season, but that still doesn't pop up in the conversation when you're talking about overall coaches. 
I mean, when we talk about, you know, Doc Rivers and Doc Rivers during his time in Boston and Tom Thibodeau, we're right. not saying, well, I was a Thibodeau coach defensive team. You know, like we're still giving Doc credit for the Celtics and what they've done. So it always comes to the on the shoulders of the head coach. And kudos to D'Antoni for recognizing that you're going to have to change in what you do on defense. And it's it's shown in this playoffs as well uh, with the best Delic hire. But that also goes to the head coach and, and, and maybe the front office as well for bringing him in. But it all still falls on D'Antoni's shoulders. No, and it's certainly – I mean, the narrative's changed. You look at the last two years, right? Their record, they've got 120 wins against 44 losses in the fi- past two seasons in Houston. Before that, he was essentially a 500 coach, right? Yeah. That, that's as, as much as innovation, and we want to talk about change and, and what might have passed the eye test and got people excited for highlight reels. They win a ton of games regular season. Now, he was saddled with some pretty – poor teams along the way but that evidence of being a you know an offensive guru and a genius and whatever that only got you so far because we're winning now it's easy to push that entire thing saying hey look how good they got and I think only in this series has the defense really been magnified right because now you're you're stifling Steph Curry and you're slowing down Kevin Durant so you get the focus of this is what you built your team for and you brought in defensive gurus to help in the background and now they get their just due just on this series. Whatever was going on for the first 82-plus didn't matter. It's this series that everybody focuses on. But for Mike D'Antoni, everything's changed since arriving on the planet Houston. And winning, <laughs> yeah. winning cures all ills. Yeah, these last couple of years have, have been something special. Something special to the heart of George Hill. Well, is his favorite restaurant spot that has been good luck in Cleveland. You addressed this with Steve Kyler earlier here on Fox Sports Sunday. Yeah, you're going to have a staffer, even if you send the assistant coach. He's getting his tacos today. There's no question. (laughs) And if you think for a second that superstitions in the NBA are trivial, they're very, very serious. Like Kevin Garnett, when he was with the the Boston Celtics, it was a requirement to have peanut butter and jelly in the locker room. There will be some, uh, some tacos there for George Hill. The Chipotle need for George Hill is real. Yeah, he needs some barbacoa. I've I've offered on on air just to make sure we get an honest effort from from him and the other players. Because let's face it, there's been a lot of mailing things in on the road in this series. Uh, I, I'd pay for the tacos. It's about three quarters of a mile from TD Garden to the nearest Chipotle <laughs> to get him his barbacoa tacos. I, I got to imagine there's at least one in, innovative Cavs fan that's showing up with a few. Has it just been home games with the Chipotle thing, or is it just throughout the playoffs, or is it just he, been... He just referenced in Cleveland. that that's what, <laughs> and, and he scored 46 points in three games, yeah. including 20 points in, in game six. So certainly something's working. So he joked about it, that that was his pregame thing at home. It's like, so why didn't you do that in Boston? Like, whatever... Whatever, find whatever psychological edge you have, and this goes for anybody in any job you're doing. Right, every job, even ours, there are days where you know there's topics you don't want to talk about. Right, whatever grisly things have shown up in the sports news, or or things where you know you're going to fight with your co-host, or behind the scenes, or whatever the case may be. Even in this job, there are days that are a little more trying than other, and and. For each of you driving around or sitting on your way to services, from services, having brunch, you've got that day, that, but you find something in the routine that gives you a moment of peace, whether it's a longer coffee break, a little extra longer walk to go find the other person that you can commiserate about another miserable weekend from your baseball team or whatever the case may be. You go and you find that. That's part of your routine. 
for George Hill to not have found a Chipotle in Boston is asinine. I would land at the airport and then immediately just type in Chipotle and try to give you the different. That's it, I've right? I've done that with certain spots. I've also bought Chick-fil-A on Saturday and kept it in the fridge to Ooh. have it on Sunday. You're a rebel, dude. Yes, I am. Um, if George Shell misses out on his Chipotle, that's one thing. But the Cavs are going to be missing out on Kevin Love, 15-year NBA vet Olden Polonies, joined us to talk about what Kevin Love won't be able to provide the Cavs in tonight's Game 7. Um, rebounding and that the threat of the outside three, but you know it's been up and down with him. He's had some good games and not so good games, but I think his rebounding is very critical to them. And you know that's something he does really, really well. You know he's probably the best at rebounding and outlet long outlet passes. He's a very smart player. I don't think he gets a lot of credit he deserves, and he gets knocked for a lot of stuff. Even with this injury, I'm like I didn't see contact. <laughs> you know, personally, so that's my criticism. I never saw contact, but at the same time, you know, they're saying he's out, he's out. But he does, you know, do a lot of little things for them, and they're going to miss that. But they have enough guys on that roster that are capable of doing that. I've always said this. Everybody can do those little things. It's whether you choose to or not. Jeff Green, again, is a perfect example. Um Larry Nance, he can do all those things as well. He's more athletic than Kevin Love. He's not a great outside shooter, but you can balance it out with different guys. I think Rodney Hood's going to have to step up his game. I don't know where he's been. There's, you know, I hope there's a sighting of Rodney Hood. But if those guys don't show up, each guy taking care of his job. And George Hill, his game has to carry over to Boston. What he did the other night was great, but it has to carry – onto to the road. They got to start bringing their game on the road. And once again, it all goes back to Chipotle. It does. Really, really. Chipotle <laughs> yes. in, in a big spot here. Uh, no no question about it. What's funny is he mentions Larry Nance. Larry Nance's biggest moment, he almost took LeBron James out. That would yeah. be, yes. you know, there's your legacy play. What did he do? Ah, he dunked the ball a few times in garbage time as a member of the Lakers. Then he went to Cleveland, and he uh, ended I, LeBron James. I will say this. Even in their losses, and because he, he got in a little skirmish with uh, Marcus Morris, I believe in game five it was, mm-hmm. he does bring energy. I don't think you're going to see Rodney Hood today. I think that his spot is is firmly on that bench, even without Kevin Love. But I think that at least Larry Nance Jr. will be able to bring energy. But the Cavs are going to need more than that. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Coming up next, find out why one multiple major winner wanted nothing to do with being between Jack Nicholas and Tom Watson. The great story comes up next after Isaac Lowenkron gives us the latest of what's happening on this Memorial Day weekend Sunday. Hello, Isaac. Hello, Dan and Michael. Cavaliers head coach Teron Luce said at shoot-around this morning that Jeff Green will start in place of Kevin Love tonight in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics in Boston. Love will not play due to concussion protocol. Tonight will be LeBron James's 100th game of the season. He was asked about that at shoot-around today. You know, for me personally, I'm just always trying to have my body and my mind you know, as sharp as possible in the best, con- best condition I can be in throughout the season when I'm available for my teammates every night. And uh, you know, This year I've been available for my teammates and just trying to um, you know, be there for them you know, and, uh, throughout the regular season and throughout the postseason. Tip-off at 8.30 Eastern. The officials for Game 7 have been revealed. It'll be Mark Davis, James Capers, and Zach Zarba. 
Meanwhile, on Saturday night, the Golden State Warriors rallied from 17 down after one to defeat the Houston Rockets 115 to 86 in Game Six of the Western Conference Finals by 35 points and nine three-pointers by Klay Thompson. Game Seven Monday at Houston. A great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, but in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Finally, Dan and Michael coming up at 12:19 Eastern. The green flag drops on the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500 with Ed Carpenter on the pole and Kelly Clarkson singing the national anthem beforehand. Back to you. All right. Thank you very much, Isaac. Venus Williams out of the French Open already. It's a final. It's over. Done. Round one. See you later. That's what happens on Clay. He is Mike Harmon. I am Dan Byer, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. This is Fox Sports Sunday. And what you may not know is we are just a couple of weeks away from the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills, the 118th playing of the U.S. Open on Long Island. And... Over the last couple of weeks, I have done a podcast leading up to the U.S. Open, and one of the things that I've been able to do is try to look at different different angles of what is. Yeah, we just need to kill the music, guys. It's all it's all good. There he that is. Stop it. End it. Done. Done. <laughs> music, get out of the way. See you later. Um, the point being, I've been doing a podcast leading up to the U.S. Open, kind of a road to the U.S. Open sort of thing. Sure. And so the episode this week, the third episode of the of the series, was with two-time winner Lee Jansen. And Jansen won in 1993, won in 1998. So he has two U.S. Opens. But what people may not realize with Lee Jansen is he actually made his U.S. Open debut when he was 20 years old in 1985. So, yeah, so... He was in college. You're teeing it up, and now wow. you know. Now you All got right. some, you know, some young guys. These these twenty somethings. You know, it's kind of nothing to them. But back then, you think about thirty years ago, um, different story. So, in part of this week's podcast, Lee Jansen told me what it was like to tee it up as a twenty year old in the 1985 U.S. Open. That particular week, I was the youngest player in the field. Um, they paired me with the oldest player in the field. His name was Gene Boric, I think, and he played in quite a few U.S. Opens. I think he was a club pro. Um, but I talk about a babe in the woods. Uh, I'm living in Florida. I'd only played outside the state a couple of times. And you can imagine Florida grass, Bermuda grass, you know, way back then they didn't really ever get it fast. Now Bermuda grass is great. But to go to a place that had undulation galore in the greens and elevation change throughout the golf course, um, it was very intimidating. I remember uh, going to the range early in the week, um, and there was a spot open between Tom Watson and Jack Nicholas. And my caddy, who happened to be my college roommate, he lived right down the street from the golf course. He goes, "There's a spot." I go, "No, I'll just wait. I'm not going <laughs> to hit balls next to those two guys." Oh. So it was uh, everything about the week was intimidating and then humbling too, because I, I drove the ball great, I hit a fair amount of greens, and just had half a dozen three putts both days and just was clueless on the greens. Um, it was just a very humbling experience, but a great learning experience too. I have the number in front of me, but I'm curious if you know, do you remember what you shot for those 36 holes? 82.79? It was plus 21 is what I what we what we had. So, yeah, if you're doing the math, it's something got, yeah, it's got to be if it was, yeah, that seems that about it. right. Yep, par yeah, par 70. Par 70 for 70. sure. Hey, the good news is Nicholas also missed the cut. 
So at least you have that in common. I know it wasn't in the neighborhood, but he did miss the cut that year. Let, let's fast forward. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I played in the group. I played in the group behind Jack Nicholas the first two days. I don't know why they put me there because Fuzzy and Sevy were in the group behind me. So they just sandwiched us in between these two marquee groups. And then when I'm on the putting green, and when Jack Nicholas made his way to the first tee, the roar I, that was almost enough to make me leave. <laughs> um, I wasn't even teeing off yet, but hearing that and then realizing I'm going to be on the tee now in a minute, and all those people are going to be standing around. That was That's awesome. Yeah, Lee Jansen reminiscing about the first time that he teed it up at a U.S. Open in 1985. And and it's great to hear that because we're so used to Tiger crowds and, and the Tiger effect that, hey, it was the same thing. Not only was it the same thing with, with Jack maybe back then, uh, but you also had other guys, like as he said, Seve and Fuzzy Zeller were in, the, were in the group behind him, so Seve's going to draw fans. And Fuzzy Zeller was a fan favorite back then, and so to have him sandwiched in between the, the two is pretty amazing. They wouldn't do that now to guys. They put the marquee – they have, like, marquee clumps usually of players and then and then filter it out in other spots. Well, you got to like that you're at a point in, in your, your life, career, et cetera, where you get the honesty because guys now aren't going to tell you they're affected by it. Oh, they, sure. they hear it. But they're not affected by it. It's like I was going to go home. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. So that just that, you know, putting it back in in the mind's eye of a 20 year old trying on tour, and now we don't think much of it. I think part of it just it's broadcast so much. We we watch college championships. We watch these, you know, junior competitions either on Golf Network or all these other Golf Channel and all these other places that it's just become part of our everyday. So we. If you're following whatever the sport mm-hmm. may be, you know the names from when they're, you know, the wonderkins and, and coming up. Whereas then it was, all right, I'm a 20-year-old, I'm a fresh face, I'm on the scene. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am now amongst amongst the legends. It just part of that psychology, it, that that's timeless, but the coverage of it certainly different. Psychology is interesting because later on in the podcast, and I want to play this part because it's so unique, we fast forward to 1998. Where Jansen entering the final round of the U.S. Open, which ended up being his second win, was five shots back, and in fact, at one point in that second round or final round, was actually seven shots back of the lead. This is what Lee Jansen had to tell me about that final Sunday, as he was able to capture his second U.S. Open title. Because I didn't want to know, <laughs> even though I could feel, I could feel what was going on, but um, I, I just did not want to have anything disrupt what I was doing. I just, you know, just keep doing everything I was doing and worry about it afterwards. How do you feel what's going on? Is it groans? Is it the maybe more people are starting to follow you? How do you feel that? Um, well, there's a lot of spectators anyway, but, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm only a few groups from the end. I'm not hearing any roars behind me at all. Um, people are starting to, you know, yell encouragement out because they know I'm getting close. And maybe, you know, somebody will even say something like, you know, keep going, you're going to get in the playoff, or <laughs> yeah, or you're, you're only one behind, or, you know, somebody may have yelled that too. I tried to ignore it. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to look at this putt and say, if I make this, I have the lead. I just wanted to look at it, so I'm going to hit this putt as good as I can. So you finish, you're at even par. Is it that then where you find out that, that where you're standing? I think Were you even with pain when you got done with your round? You know, I, I don't know exactly, because he birdied – somewhere and then he bogeyed 16 so it was probably he was probably bogeying 16 about the time i yep. finished and put it out 
And I don't know if they'd posted a score yet, but as soon as I put it out, I was like, I couldn't wait to turn around and look at the big board. There's a huge board right next to the 18th green, so I had to do everything I could to look the other way. That was Lee Jansen, guest on my podcast. But talking about he didn't look at a scoreboard all day in that final round of the Sunday until at the end. And then, while he was done, Peyton Stewart was still on the course, so they put him in a chair, NBC did, and did the the headshot. Like make You're watching Lee Jansen watch Payne Stewart finish his round to see if he's going to be in a playoff or end up winning. He told me that it was a it, 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 a weird situation. We dive into that and, and more on the podcast. At Dan Byer on Fox on Twitter. Find the link to that at Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com. Uh, great interview, uh, great clips that, that Dan's been putting out and uh, having fun on the road to the U.S. Open. Good stuff. Great information as we take a look back. Uh, take a trip down memory lane, if you will. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday at Fox Sports Radio. The NBA Finals start on Thursday. And next, we tell you who you'll be watching Thursday night. That comes up here on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Beyer. Chris Karan coming up on Fox Sports Radio. Most of these Fox Sports Radio stations, glad to have you with us. Game 7 tonight, Cavs and Celtics in Boston, 8.30 Eastern time. Then tomorrow night, Warriors and Rockets in Houston for their Game 7. It's time to dive into Mike Harmon's Bag of Fun, where we were just talking a little golf, and we find some golf in your Bag of Fun today. The rarity of diving in, and it's I'm a big bigger fan of Tiger Woods than I ever was. You know, when we come in here to the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios, not often that we have the video cameras up, so you you got to clean up and put on the collared shirt and everything else. And certainly on a Sunday morning, no bosses around to to impress, which means flip-flops, shorts, and, well, ratty T-shirts become the norm, <laughs> backwards baseball caps. Well, Tiger Woods wants to take a little of that out to the PGA by saying, hey, I want to get out there and allow golfers to wear shorts. Quote, I'd love it. We play in some of the hottest climates on the planet. We travel with the sun, and a lot of our events are in the summer. On top of that, winter months here, they're down in South Africa and Australia where it's summer down there, and it would be nice to wear shorts. Quote, even with my little chicken legs, I would like to wear shorts. There's many drops in the system of me talking about not wearing pants to the Geico (laughs) Fox Sports Radio Studios. So certainly, he's a man after my own heart. I I love the idea. You could do it in college golf. You could do it on the LPGA Tour, but the PGA Tour does not allow you to. I think it, not only Mike, though, I think it would be easier. Like, you could sell. Like, it's tougher to sell shirts, I believe, that aren't Tiger Woods shirts or Jordan Spieth shirts just because there's different logos that are sewn on. So you don't know if it's a, you know, I I mean, you know, a guy, you know, Phil Mickelson has you know, his logo on his and would have like Workday or, you know, Matt mm-hmm. Kuchar has that sure. on his shirt. You're not going to go out and find a Workday polo. Okay, they, they don't have those. They're stitched on because that's who their sponsors are. If you were to wear shorts, okay, maybe somebody wears a plaid short that you like. Or you get to see the sh- more of the shoes than you would. You start buying from the John yeah. Daly collection yeah. of pants. Yeah. Now they become shorts. I think that's a very, very good idea. I like it. The other one, as we're brought to you by Geico, great news. There's a quick way to save money by switching to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. This one was kind of funny. Uh, talked, they, they talked to Swaggy P in the postgame uh, yesterday and asked him about you know the effort and everything. Uh, he said that Dennis Rodman told him to play defense in a dream. Response from Swaggy P, Dennis, I don't do that. <laughs> it's not my game. 
hey, you got to do what you got to do. Hey, if he has that same dream or a similar dream tomorrow night, that's only good for the Golden State Warriors. You got that. Have you ever had such a great dream and woke up, you tried to fall right back asleep to, to continue it? Does that ever happen? And no, most most dreams are most horror are stories. Yeah, I don't, don't want to go back into uh, that phase. That's uh, probably why I woke up. Uh, speaking, I did of, not have an awesome dream like Lionel Richie. No. Speaking of nightmares, we've got to see how we did last week as we parlayed all the time. This is what we tried to predict a week ago. Would a series in the NBA playoffs go seven games? What would the Stanley Cup final be? And who has the poll for the Indy 500? Now the answer we found out: yes, there were. Series won seven games. It's Vegas against Washington, and Ed Carpenter as the poll. How do we do a week ago? I'm going to go with no on a, a seven-game series. Oh, Ryan Dennis. Knights and Lightning in the Ooh, Stanley tough Cup one final. For the executive and then producer. Ryan Hunter-Ray, just because he's got a good first name. Oh, no for Look at you, the Ryan Hunter-Ray. I'm going to go with Will Power just because I like <laughs> well, Will Power. Uh, Vegas and the Caps come hey, there back you go. to win that no series. Uh, and the Game 7, no chance. I think there wrong will there, be a game huh? seven. I think <laughs> Celtics, Cavs, I don't think either team's going to win on the other's home court. Hey, I think there will be a game done. seven series. You know what? Give me the Jets to rally and Jet face Joe. the Lightning in the Stanley oh, Cup that final. Was a double miss. And Graham Rahal will have the poll for the Indy 500, which is a week from today. That was last week. So the Indy 500 is today, okay? We're not going to pick the winner of the Indy 500, but we are for next week going to pick who's playing in the NBA finals who leads the Stanley Cup final as they'll be through three games, and where is Tiger Woods at the Memorial? Is he cut? Is he top 10? Is he top 20? Top 3? We start with our executive producer, Ryan Dennis. All right. As much as I hate to uh, go against LeBron, I think it's going to be Warriors and Celtics in the NBA Finals. I'm going to go with Alex Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals leading, and then I think think Tiger's going to be top 10. How about that? Cavs, Warriors, Caps, top 20. I am going to go Celtics-Warriors. I'm going to stick with that. I think that the Golden Knights will lead the Stanley Cup final, and I believe that Tiger Woods, in a track that he loves, the Memorial, and he's familiar with, will be in the top eight at the Memorial Look at next that. week at Jack's tournament. We're going to put him in the top eight. We will be on Tiger Watch. Are we going to have two close game sevens, you think? Yes. I'm cautiously optimistic. That we get good games. Hey, have a great holiday weekend, everybody. Be safe out there, and uh, remember to pause. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer. This has been Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. 